Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. Before we get started today, I just wanted to give you a little bit of a warning that we ran into a tiny bit of technical difficulties, nothing too extreme. There's a bit of echoing of my voice on Gavin's audio track. So for the most part, I managed to go through and edit it all out. However, at the moments where we're speaking together at the same time, you might hear a little bit of echoing, but it's nothing too bad. But I just wanted to let you guys know, and thank you once again for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy. It says I'm recording. Are you recording? I'm recording. It says you're recording? It says this call's being recorded. Awesome. Just like Big Brother. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to the Martial Arts Mania Podcast. No conspiracy theories allowed. How are you, good sir? I'm doing well. I just took off my tinfoil hat and I'm ready to go. Woo! Too bad you've uh, got the the 5G in you somewhere, you know, the... uh, you know, I feel that my uh, my Buddhist mantras mm-hmm. help keep the five G from reading my thoughts. Though I've heard about that, I've heard I've yeah. heard that works. Anyways, it's been a minute. How are you, good sir? <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you? Nice, good, good. Yeah, we've just uh, we attempted this episode a couple days ago. We weren't able to finish it, so we decided to start over. And then we've had scheduling snafus. One on your part, one on my part. We were about to have a second one on your part, but luckily the plumber finished. Uh, I was gone in Vegas for like four or five days for my birthday, like, God, two weeks ago now almost. So uh, we apologize for the delay in episodes, but we are super excited to be here today. Uh, We will get to what we're going to be talking about. But first, what's new with you? You know, uh, since the since the debacle of the last time we tried to record. Yes. I have to say, uh, I'm having a good day. Not that I wasn't having a good day before, but did a little hike, did a little Tybo Insane Abs, did a little Nitro Kick. Yes, Nitro Kick. That, nitro Kick. Because when you said Tybo at first, I was like, man, poor choice. And then you said you did Nitro Kick. Yeah, and you, I was you, like, all you right. You meet up to the best. Yeah, you used the hardest Tybo class to warm up <laughs> yeah. for Sifu Dawn's if you, Nitro if, Kick. Yeah, if you don't, there's there's really no entry point for uh, for a human being to enter Nitro Kick and survive. Yeah. Cause you know, who who could survive that? I bet you. I bet you. If I did that DVD for the first time, it would kick my butt. Yeah, I think you, you give it. You know what? Maybe before the next podcast, try it. Right. And see I, how I think you should bring up your copy. Come and visit. Bring Sensei, and we'll all hang out and do Nitro Kick together. <laughs> Wait, when you say bring sensei? Yes, bring you sensei. Okay. Yes, that's who I'm Let's referring to. Uh, he doesn't have to do the nitro kick. He can just be like, man, you, you dog's crazy. I'm, I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have fun with that. Uh, but How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Yeah, you know, uh, been training now at the Filipino kickboxing gym for like two weeks. I'm loving it. They're great guys. Uh, learning some cool new stuff. Uh, Yao Yan, the Filipino kickboxing system. Uh Kind of, uh, it was a hybrid system that start that was started in the '70s, so it's definitely more of like a, uh, uh, it's pretty much a combination of like Western boxing and you know, uh, 
from like the waist up, it's a lot of kind of almost Taekwondo-ish kicks, but they definitely do like the more Thai style low kicks. So it's very interesting. They're known for their spinning attacks. So I'm learning some cool new like spinning back fist setups and stuff. And they're cool guys, nice. good sparring. So I'm, I'm so happy to be back in a gym and it really, it completes me. You know what I mean? Like I just feel no, I so do. much more uh, driven like, you know, after going to class and learning something new and applying my sparring and thank God for the last year that I've kept up my conditioning so well, uh, because that's been a lifesaver. Yes. However, it's so funny, you know, it's with each class, I'm feeling my rhythm come back. But like the first day, my timing was all off. I think I mentioned it before. I was like, oh, there's the opening. And I didn't do anything. All right. There is that same one again. The guy's dropping his jab. And I still didn't do anything. You know, it's it's getting back in there. Ring rust is a real thing, in my opinion. I mean, I feel anybody should be able to step in at any time and do well and or survive, which I, I feel I have. But you're definitely not at your A game if you haven't been sparring in over a year, right? Absolutely. But I, anyways, I, enough about me. Definitely enough about you. Let's get into your questions for me before yes. we start talking about what we are going to talk about. So the, the very first question I have, we've we've been talking about what is the perfect film for you. Like uh -huh. pick a film that's just perfect from beginning to end. Never so, ending story part three. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so today I wanted to like tweak that question a little bit because the film we are going to be discussing. And the question is, what is your perfect, what is a perfect fight scene for you? Can you recommend one and how, how would you break one down? Hmm. Excellent question. So I think, and it's commonplace for us, we kind of usually break it up in between like, for lack of a better term, Hong Kong style choreography and or Western style choreography. So for me, one of the things I look for is obviously I want creativity and intricacy in the chore choreography itself. I want two, uh, to or however many people are in the fight scene, definitely more than one. Uh, but I want the the people participating to have a high level of skill. Oh, uh, I th did you turn off your mic? I did. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Sorry, don't do that. Oh okay, good yeah. to know because I I do that for the because of the sounds and. Oh okay, well, just let it be, brother. Just let it be. Sorry, we're using okay. a new program today, by the way. So it's like I got this warning saying that something was going wrong. I'm like, what? <laughs> Sorry uh, about that. No worries, I no worries. This, I saw this like fear hit your face. Yeah, I'm like, I was what's like, going Whoa? on? Anyway, so when I'm uh, looking at a fight, whether it's you know from the far east or over here, I want both of the participants, assuming it's a two a one on one fight, to be skilled martial artists. I want there to be creativity and intricacy in the choreography itself. And I want to clearly be able to see the action. Now, you may have, especially in the Hong Kong style, like a Sammo Hung fight. We've talked about this before, like the ending fight of Pedicab Driver with uh, Sammo Hung against Billy Chow. You're going to have longer takes, right? Kind of uh, medium range takes. Then you're going to have close-ups. You're going to have rapid fire editing, but then back to kind of normal standard editing. And if you're a true master of the craft, you can pull that off, right? But for me, I want to be able to see the action clearly. And if let's say you're doing something like a handheld camera thing, I'm not against that, but I better be able to see everything that's going on and not be too shaky, right? If you're going to do fast editing and cuts use it to accentuate the fight scene not to uh hide 
flaws or weaknesses, right? Which is, it's a very delicate balance there because that's a hard thing to do to use cuts and edits appropriately. So thinking of fight choreography from say Hong Kong, uh, there's so many great ones. We've talked about, obviously, Jackie and Benny's fights are incredible, so forth and so forth. But the first one that pops in my head, and maybe it's just because I've already pre-ordered the Criterion Collection Blu-ray that's coming out, or the Warner Brothers Archives one, excuse me, for Drunken Master 2, is the ending fight between Jackie Chan and Ken Lo. The The storytelling of it, that one has, you know, it's like the three act structure of a fight scene which is something people don't really take into account just like a script almost the fight scene itself is like a mini story and that one has that uh the music of the original drunken master 2 not legend of drunken master is perfect also music's a key factor you know uh people will sometimes say oh well you know i had film professors be like well you know music uh, takes away from the true filmmaking art and blah, blah, blah. And once again, it's got to be one of those things that accentuates it, doesn't try to hide or make something better than it really is. And the music in that is perfect. Uh, the performance of the two martial artists is fantastic. Their martial arts skills are real. The techniques are real. Uh, I mean, you could say what you will about his drunken kung fu and how much of that is just for the screen and so forth. But it's hard hitting. It's clean. You can see all the action going on. Whether you're a longtime fan of martial arts cinema or new to it, you can enjoy that fight scene. And then we discussed this a little bit before, but the Western fight scene that pops into my head uh, would be, as a good example, would be the fight between Patrick Swayze and Marshall Teague in Roadhouse, which I just love how hard hitting it is. And the way they sell the shot. So sometimes in the West, we may not have as fast paced or as intricate of choreography, but instead you might get more of the Western style stunt work, which uh, I shouldn't say Western style, the Western style of selling hits, which sometimes can be even better. Like, the you know, they're really going for it. But at the same time, we still have clean choreography. We have real martial arts technique. It actually comes off as more realistic because it looks like these guys are real martial artists, but they're applying their technique and it's not always perfect, but that actually adds to the fight scene. There's some great like traveling shots where they're just panning and, you know, following them. There's some close-ups. There's some good quick edits. So that's kind of what I look for in a fight. I want to be able to clearly see the action. And I also want to remember it. I want to the next day be like, Oh yeah, that spinning wheel kick, man, the way they sold that. Or, you know, for example, uh, Yuen Biao in Eastern Condors or something like one of those slow motion spinning wheel kicks he does it's like I can still remember that right I don't want to watch a fight the next day be like well, I don't really remember much that happened in that I need to go back and rewatch that I don't want to have to rewatch a fight like 10 times in order to remember it because for example it's been hurt by improper editing yeah uh, first of all I just want to say I love the fact that you talk about the three act fight scene right because so often films will have the one act fight scene, which is to establish the superiority of like the protagonist or the antagonist. And usually this is used highly with uh, establishing an antagonist. But so many final fights are just two acts at best. Yep. It's really rare to have a full story arc, which you definitely get in uh, Drunken Master 2. Now, with that said, my <laughs> my like this is a perfect fight is Maybe there's three acts in there, but not really. It's more like a bunch of one act, one act, one acts, where you're just establishing characters and 
uh, superiority of martial arts. And that's the fight scene, the diner fight scene from Winners and Sinners with Sammo Hung and Jackie Chan. Right. And it's just quick edits, long shots, power shots, and, you know, great uh, acrobatics, if, I'm, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. It's just, it's, it's a scene that is, uh, it's a lot like how I refer to the movie Young Master. It's the kitchen sink. They've thrown in everything in the kitchen sink. And got it within probably, I want to say like a 30 second time frame. More, probably it's more like a minute and a half. But it's like. It's pop, quick. Pop, 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 pop. That yes. fight scene is quick. And you make some great points because they managed to combine all those things. Kind of like the ending fight of Petty Cab Driver. All those things together. And, as, and for like remembering certain things from that fight. I remember Jackie with his arms around the guy's neck. And double kicking in the air. And as a note, I did not watch this or anything before Gavin uh, told me this scene. I remember the. Kind of, uh, the, the chinala or hapkido or like tactical wrist lock he does on the dude, which throwing that in there with the bam, bam, bam choreography is hard to do. You're doing more of like what we call the Hong Kong kickboxing choreography. And then suddenly you throw in like a wrist lock, you know, that, that could hurt a scene. But in this case, it just looks so painful. And then that final ending kick, right? Where it's slow motion. And that's, you know, that's the other thing. Utilizing other camera techniques, like say slow motion, it can accentuate a fight, but you don't want it to be just slow motion, right? <laughs> so I think that's a great example. And I, and I love your uh, Western fight scene because I think, you know, you've hit all the points about what, what happens in Western fight scenes, but so often Western movies rely on these great one liners. And you can think about, I mean, just the movie Commando alone is like <laughs> one liner built on top of one liner. Uh, you know, let, let off a little steam, Bennett. Yeah, let off uh, some steam, Bennett. Of course, I think uh, the best one is, and pardon my French, everyone, I'm about to sw- uh, swear, but when he's fighting Bill Duke uh, okay. in the hotel room, and, he, you know, he's like, are you scared, motherfucker? You should be, because this Green Beret is about to kick your ass. And he's like, I eat Green Berets for breakfast, and I'm getting very hungry. That's best line. But however, that fight scene... You know, it's funny. Watching it now, we get those great lines and we start laughing. We're so into it. It's almost like we're distracted by, yes. unfortunately, how bad the fight scenes are in that movie. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if, if we're going into one-liners, I can't not think of that movie without thinking of, remember when I told you I'd kill you last? Yes, yes. yes. I lied. Hey, sorry. Um, remember when I told you I'd kill you last? Yeah, man. Yeah, you said that. I lied. <laughs> Great. Love Commando. Huge influence on me as a person. Uh, maybe that's a bad thing. Yeah. Well, the great soundtrack, too. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, but I'm not trying to detract from the movie that you picked, uh, the fight scene that you picked between uh, Patrick Swayze and Marshall T, because there are those moments where they stop and have great one-liners, including, like, Marshall Teague's, like, creepy like, NC-17 line. Yeah. Which, <laughs> which that one I will not do. Uh not to mention, I can't do a Marshall Teague impression, but uh, I will not repeat that line. Uh, so if, if I'm thinking of like Western martial art movies that I, I want to get people's eyes on, I'm actually going to say uh, it's a Richard Norton movie, Under the Gun. Yes. And there are so many memorable fight sequences within that movie, whether it's the wraparound kick that he does, the just so many great fight sequences. But I'm going to say... When it comes to a fight scene, one of my favorites is when the guy comes in and is trying to be a bouncer and he's like, okay, let me see what you've got. And like Richard just dodging him and like putting him in all these different, you know, kind of holds. It's just, it's, 
a lot of cuts, but it's like you see the move and then cut another move and then cut. And that's that real life martial artistry I was talking about because he's utilizing the Zendo Kai curriculum. That's the system he created with Bob Jones and so forth, right? And yeah. it's wrist locks and that fast editing works for that. It's more like a display, but that yes. film, we need to do that one soon. It is extremely underrated. It's got fantastic individuals in there uh, like Kathy Long, and Sam Greco, uh, mm-hmm. just so many good ones. But it, uh, so that 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 the reason why we're asking this question is we you know we kind of want to direct fans. We're going to talk about a film in a little bit that may have some fight scenes that leave a little bit a little bit to be desired. These are some fight scenes we want to draw your attention to to say, hey, these this is how a fight scene should be constructed. And I think your your nominations are, are fantastic. I did have one more question. Okay. And I was about to say, your question was fantastic, but give me the second question. The second question is, you know, we've been talking about, like, where has Hollywood, uh, like, missed the mark? Where just a slight casting change would have would have or could have changed something. Last, last time we talked about Rush Hour, where instead of Tom Wilkinson as the bad guy, Gary Daniels is the bad guy. So you actually get a martial art fight sequence on top of the beams with Jackie Chan and Gary Daniels. Something that... You and I have been a rematch. You and I have been waiting for ever since uh, City Hunter. Mm-hmm. But with that said, can you think of any like uh, other movies you would recast? Well, we'll definitely that that question's very topical because that's going to come up today with the movie we're talking about. But off the top of my head, one that I would recast because uh, uh, I have two that are relevant to today. But I'm going to give you a random one. And there's a lot of recasting I would have done with the film Best of the Best. I love mm. Best of the Best. But easily, the easiest one, because he wasn't like, you know, he's just one part of the team. He's not a, the lead actor. So why they didn't cast Keith Vitale as the Sonny character, the Italian-American from Detroit, uh, in Best of the Best is beyond me. You know, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, point karate champions of all time. His background was in Taekwondo. Who better to cast for that? And, you know, it's not like there was a lot of heavy acting where they felt, oh, we have to have some seasoned veteran actor. Because even the guy they got, he was he was comical, he was funny, but it was nothing special. And on top of that, unfortunately, his physical performance, he did well for what he could do. But especially in the final finale where they're fighting the Korean team, man, if, if they would have had someone like Keith Vitale, that would have been another phenomenal fight sequence they could have put together. Absolutely. That's actually a really great, great uh Great thought, because as I as I think about the final fight sequences, so many of them are kind of throwaway, you know, leading up to the dramatic, you know, final two fights and particularly the final fight as, as the conclusion. Uh, so mine might be showing my hand a little bit, a little topical. OK, maybe maybe not because we haven't revealed the movie yet, but 19, the year is 1995. The okay. movie is Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat! Mortal Kombat! Okay, I'm done. Yes, okay. I'm going to recast two characters. One is the character of Kano. Okay. I would cast Richard Norton. I just recently rewatched the fight sequence thanks to the Twitter feed, uh, my great Twitter feed for the Martial, uh, Martial Arts Mania podcast. There you go. Uh, and I saw Magic Crystal. And just watching Richard Norton as the, as the heavy in that movie, that's the way I want Kano to look. Uh, number two is someone who looked like Sonya Blade, 
uh, Cynthia Rothrock mm-hmm. in the 1995 Mortal Kombat. I would have just loved to have seen them work on screen together again. Yeah, and I mean, not film, to take away from Bridget Wilson or to take away from uh, Trevor Goddard, who played the original Kano, but having those two fantastic martial artists, and at that point, 1995, they still would have been, like, obviously for the Kano role, no problem for Richard Norton, but Cynthia Rothrock still was of, uh, I mean, not to sound ageist or sexist, but she still, for 1995 Hollywood, right? She still easily could have fit that role. You know what I mean? She wasn't, unfortunately, too old. Uh, And once again, I'm not talking about my preferences. I'm talking about Hollywood, especially 1995. And even to this day, the unfortunate ageism that women face because Cynthia Rothrock still kicks ass to this day and is still such a physical presence. So 1995, no problem. Because I actually uh, suggested that to someone once. They thought, well, wouldn't you have been too old back then? I was like, no. What? Yeah, no, I I I disagreed. uh, Honestly, between you and I, like if we're talking about Sonya Blade, you, you could cast her every single time as Sonya Blade, whether it's 1995 or 2021. I know that there are other marsh, wonderful female martial artists out there and film stars out there. But I'm just saying, like you can cast Cynthia Rothrock in any role, uh, in any Western character role, female martial artist. And I, I'm, I'll say that even for Mad Max. I'll say that Fury Road. You just cast her. I'm not saying her acting caliber. I don't know where, you know, I'm not, I don't want to say anything disparaging, but she was, she, she's the apex of, yeah. of, 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 she, I don't know. She, she is the mold and broke the mold. Excellent. Excellent analysis. And I think this is the perfect way to segue into the film we're talking about today. What, what is the film? The film we are talking about today is Mortal Kombat. The new Mortal Kombat that just came out. Mortal Kombat 2021. Directed by Simon McCoy. I'm probably butchering that name. Uh, screenplay by Greg Russo and Dave Callahan. Uh, starring all sorts of great individuals. We'll name off a few. You've got Louis Tan mm-hmm. in the lead as Cole Young. A new character they created just for the movie. Uh, we've got Ludi Lin in there as Liu Kang. You've got Max Huang as Kung Lao. Uh, who else do we have in there? We've got uh, Jessica Mac- uh, McNamee. I'm probably killing that name too. As Sonya Blade this time around. We've got a new Kano, obviously, played by Josh Lawson, who's fantastic. Uh, and of course, of course, we've got for Sub-Zero, Joe Taslam. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves Joe Taslam. And a Scorpion. Martial arts screen veteran, Haruyuki Sanada, a.k.a. Henry Sanada. So, <laughs> right out the gate, we're going to give our grades for this movie. And it's so funny because our first attempt recording this, I gave it a different grade. Now I'm back to my original grade. Oh, yeah. uh, I've gone back and forth, back and forth between C plus and B minus. And in our last recording, I had just rewatched the original, which unfairly made me drop it back down to C plus just because I have this new found appreciation for the original and how kind of groundbreaking it was and how much fun it was and how entertaining it was. So now I am giving the new one, the 2021 version, a B minus. That being said though, I want to say that when I originally saw the first Mortal Kombat as a kid and I was already enthralled by Hong Kong cinema, I feel I gave that one a B minus. And now my grade for the original Mortal Kombat is an A. So, but I didn't want that. I felt it was unfair for 
me to hold that against the, the new one. So I am giving the new one a B minus because quite frankly, I loved most of it, but we're going to talk about probably the biggest problem this version faced. So how about yourself? Uh, I'm still sticking with my C minus. Okay. Uh, I mean, no, <laughs> C minus, I've dropped it. Yeah, I was C like, damn plus. dog, I thought you said C plus last time. <laughs> I'm still sticking with my D. No, yeah. I'm definitely sticking with my C plus uh, only because I haven't given thought to it since our last recording. And like you, I had just watched the original Mortal Kombat, which I think is, a, is it's fair to say it's a flawed film, but it is, it is, uh, it was groundbreaking. Yes. It was in visionary. It was, I'm not going to put it on uh, Stanley Kubrick's uh, uh, 2001 caliber of, well, of it's like close. groundbreaking, but they're doing some things technologically and story wise, and they're not holding, they're, they're not letting limitations hold them back in the original. So I think it's on par though with Sam Peckinpah's The Wild Bunch. I, I, I don't know if you're joking or not, but I think that's actually fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, I mean, definitely joking. However, okay. there's actually more significance between those two if we were to analyze them there and break is, them down yes. as entries into the action film genre due to Sam Peckinpah's like rev, uh, kind of revolutionary use of slow motion and stuff. But yeah. anyways, I digress. So, yeah. So I, I, I would just say that, uh, yeah, uh, if you're going to Sam Peckinpah, Sam Peckinpah had the cast. Uh, but yeah, so I'm, I'm sticking with the C plus and it doesn't take away from any of the fun that you have. I mean, if you look on Rotten Tomatoes, there are films that are that are below C that you absolutely enjoy. This one is a very high C for me. On the cusp, if they came in and asked for extra credit, they would be a B minus. Nice. I like that analysis. And I must say that also, since we our first attempt at recording this episode, I listened to uh Max Huang on the Kung Fu Drive-In podcast. He came back. He's been on the show before. Oh, that's he just great. came back again to talk about Mortal Kombat with our, our buddy Jeff at uh, Kung Fu Drive-In podcast. And listening to him talk actually also kind of opened up my eyes to some things. And he actually addressed some of the exact same stuff we said in that recording and we've already kind of talked about in this recording. So it'll be interesting uh, once we get to that. But real quick, breaking down the movie. So pretty much in this new version, we have a new protagonist, a whole a character, new character created for this film specifically, played by Louis Tan. His name is Cole Young. He's a washed up MMA fighter uh, that finds out he the birthmark he has, like the Mortal Kombat symbol. Uh, makes him one of Earth's champions and it's his destiny to fight uh, in this tournament and uh, obviously kind of similar to the first film uh, Shang Tsung and his warriors have won nine Mortal Kombats in a row if they win this last one then Outworld gets to take over uh, Earth and so it's up to the last of Earth's champions to come together and stop Shang Tsung and his evil bunch from taking over and also the significance of the Cole Young character is that he is the last living descendant of uh, Hanzo, who becomes Scorpion, because uh, we kind of have this great sandwich for this film. The opening sequence starts in feudal Japan, and it's uh, Hanzo versus uh, Bihan, uh, who is Sub-Zero pretty much. He kills Hanzo because of this... Uh, prophecy that one day the descendant of Hanzo will stop uh, uh, the outworld from taking over Earth, so forth, so forth. So uh, once again, good setup. It gets us into the movie and I feel we should talk about 
the, some of the things they got right first. Because I don't want to give too many spoilers away or go too in-depth in the plot. But uh, I, I think that any first film in a reboot or an entry has to do what we call like the world building, right? Which this movie attempts to do. But I feel, uh, so actually I'm going into a negative aspect first, my apologies. It kind of hinders the story a bit because it's like they're trying to squeeze so many characters in so much, the whole setup uh, and get it going. Whereas in the original one, it's kind of just like, wham, bam, thank you. They still set it all up. I mean, rewatching it, I'm like, well, no, technically they set it all up. They just do it in a much more expedited fashion. In this one, I feel like it's almost kind of, drawn out a little bit and I think that's uh part of that has to do with the uh Akana element is it Akana I think I said it wrong I hear the car honking it's okay that's Venice baby that's Venice that's LA baby people listening uh our many listeners in Europe get used to it uh the Arcana excuse me so whereas in the original video game a lot of their superpowers just came from their martial arts ability or kind of like genetic add-ons like Jax's arms everything now their superpowers is this concept they call the Arcana, which is like, if you have the Mortal Kombat symbol, you have to learn how to access the superhuman ability. And that whole element, I feel actually kind of slowed down the story. But at the same time, they needed that for this world they're building of this new franchise and Mortal Kombat movies. So it's like, I get it. But, yeah. uh... I, I- Go ahead. So I'm just kind of, yeah, just to interject right there. I mean, the idea of having to develop your arcana desert where it doesn't just come to you naturally. I, I do like that because it does kind of go along with, with, uh, you know, the Bushido way, which right. we've, we've discussed, where you have to find it deep inside you. But I agree with you completely because unless they push this movie to a three hour movie or a two and a half yep. hour movie where they develop each character, uh, through they're basically you know it's it's like uh, trying to form form a sword through you know you're you're burning the steel and through you know through through you're forging the akana or arcana through the through the the burning process so to speak yeah and so each person has a different trial that they have to go through that that sparks this growth uh, so i like that but i think as you're saying it kind of uh this world building aspect and particularly developing this in each character kind of uh, made the made the story heavy in some aspects where it just slowed down. And then other areas they didn't have they didn't have enough time to develop as much. So it's like razor thin in some areas and like pretty thick in other areas. Well stated, my friend. Well stated. So speaking of the Arcana and the abilities and stuff. First off, I thought the character design was awesome in this movie. And pretty much uh, every character except one was either on par with the original counterpart or far superior. I feel uh, the Sub-Zero and Scorpion entries are obviously, they're given much more backstory in this. They're kind of the driving force of the story and they're amazing. Uh, The design, the makeup, uh, the weaponry, everything. I mean, Joe Taslam and Haruki Sonata do fantastic. Uh, we have a much better Raiden this time around. No offense to Christopher Lambert, but Raiden this time is super badass storm god, a la the three storms in Big Trouble in Little China. Very cool. Uh, you know, he's he's got the the eyes that are like always filled with electricity. He's got the full getup. They they do not have the long silver hair this time around. They have uh an Asian actor portraying him uh, this time. And 
aside from a little bit of dialogue that's hard uh, to make out because uh, he has a very heavy Japanese accent. Uh, and I apologize. I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. But uh, I thought he was a great upgrade to the Raiden character. Uh, we have... oh. So the two characters for me that steal the show are Kung Lao and Kano. Kano is just so vulgar, violent, and has so many great one-liners kind of uh, throwing back to the classic 80s action movies, right? Just so witty, so funny. Sometimes I feel like he's just improvising and it just works. Even just tiny little subtle lines that... You, you kind of only hear almost off camera are great, which just makes me think that uh, Josh Lawson, the actor, was just ad-libbing or improvising. You're absolutely right. It's a, so I, I think we both discussed this the last time or, or, or via text. We both saw this in the movie theater. And every time Kano had a line, the, the audience, you know, there's, at first there's like the slow rumble of laughter. And by the time that they're, they're headed to the... The facility, I'll just mm-hmm. call it because we're not giving out, like, you know, uh, and, and as they're at the dinner scene, the audience is waiting for his lines. And like, I was sitting, you know, they, they have not, we're not all sitting next to each other, but like uh, the group that's next to me, they're just, you can hear them. They're like, oh my God, he's going to, and they, they like explode with laughter. Mm-hmm. He, and whether he was writing his own lines, I know that there are two screenwriters and it's, they're kind of like listed and rather than like together. So I don't know if like one of them was just assigned to, hey, you, you work, you work on the lines for Kano and you guys just make it natural. Cause it's, it's almost like he's on another plane. Uh, speaking of like the different planes of Mortal Kombat, he's on another plane of, uh, of banter. <laughs> you should get on your knees and beg to him. You two should get on your knees and suck my sack. <laughs> just some of those lines were just obviously I remember them, right? Uh, but so yeah, Kano is great, and then Kung Lao. We never had Kung Lao in the original film versions, uh, and in this film, and yes, I will straight up say I'm very biased because uh, I went to school with Max Huang at the Shanghai Sports University. He's a fantastic guy, incredible martial artist, and I've been rooting for him uh, nonstop. But that being said, I don't think this is my own bias. I think he was just insanely awesome in the movie. Uh, And that comes from his real life martial artistry. You know, he's a wushu champion. And so he has that ability to show that martial spirit we talk about, that martial essence. And his his, his literal introduction when he comes in and saves the day with that epic... And then he just lands that epic spin kick and uh, the hat, the way he poses, everything is just, it captures, you know, he's a real martial artist. You know, he has a lot of screen experience. You know, he takes his craft seriously. And in his sequences, he, along with Kano, kind of steals the show. His acting was fantastic. Also, I liked the kind of cocky nature that he brought to the role and, uh, I just thought it was a great new character, not new to Mortal Kombat, but new to the film series that really helped accentuate the film. Yeah, it, it, gave, it gave the film a little a little depth, a little uh, it, it was it was very not one dimensional, but kind of two dimensional. But with him, all of a sudden, there's this another layer and uh, his his screen presence just screamed like this calm, clean, crisp, strong 
martial artist. Mm-hmm. Every, even when he was just taking stances uh, in sort of that area where they're training, it just or or, or holding poses. It's just like you know, uh, walking into a room, oh that 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 guy's the martial artist. Yeah, not not to not to knock anybody else's like experience level or anything like that, but you, you see him in the room. That's the guy. That's the guy you want on camera, or that's the guy you want to have a conversation with. Yeah. Uh, so looking at some of the other characters, uh, Shang Tsung this time around. I like Shang Tsung, uh, and it's funny. You know, obviously, I I went and saw it with Jessica, and then we watched the original one together. And uh, Carrie Haruki Takawa is fantastic in the original, but I feel like our Shang Tsung here is on par. It's a different portrayal of him. It's kind of much more of a uh, his from the way he speaks to his attire. It's very much more like a uh, traditional like Chinese warlord, right? Is that what you'd say? I think that's totally fair. I, I, I mean, it's really hard for me to like say uh, one is better than the other because uh, he, uh, Tagawa's back then in 1995, he was like at his pinnacle of charisma because he had major on-screen charisma. Mm-hmm. And that may have been like the absolute peak of it. So like, it's really hard to map the two against each other, but going this new direction, this kind of like calmer, evil, like, like I wish the character could have been developed a little more, but uh, absolutely. He is definitely like a Chinese warlord. Yeah, and uh, Chin Han, the actor who plays him, I believe he's Singaporean, uh, just brings this kind of great essence to the character. Uh, and the one thing to mention also is Kerry Haruyuki Tagawa got pretty ripped for the original one. He's in good ass shape. Uh, and I did just look it up and I want to apologize for forgetting uh, the actor who plays Lord Raiden's name. It's Tadanobu. Tadanobu Asano. Asano? Did I say that right? Asano, yes. Okay, cool. Uh, and he was once again fantastic. I, there was just one to two lines of dialogue I had trouble understanding, but. Hey, that happens. The people have trouble understanding my Chinese all the time when I'm uh, uh, visiting China. So, <laughs> uh, so some other characters. There's so many. And once again, we kind of mentioned that uh, the Cole Young character, the the newest entry. Uh, I, I liked the character. I thought Louis Tan was great uh, in his acting, of course, uh, his physicality, uh, his Arcana was kind of hit or miss. For example, I thought, okay, cool. Other people I went and saw it with were like, oh, I don't really like that. And even the weaponry that came with it, I would have rather seen him uh, use nunchucks just because I know he can do nunchucks. Uh, go and watch any of his like demo reels. He's an extremely talented martial artist, very physical. I, I, I wish nunchucks could have been used in there because that just would have added another very badass visceral element because uh, instead he kind of has these almost like it's kind of, I want to say they're almost like Krabby Krabong weapons, like traditional Thai martial arts. And they're cool, but I guess I was just thinking, man, I'd like some nunchucks. But otherwise, his character is great. Uh, Sonya Blade. Once again, on par with the other Sonya Blades. We'll kind of get a little more into that later, I'm sure. Uh, however, I feel the one character I still haven't addressed that we need to talk about right now is Liu Kang. Now, they decided to go a whole different direction than the Robin Shu Liu Kang from the 1995 film and the 97 Mortal Kombat Annihilation follow-up. Uh, let's go back real quick and look at Robin Shu's portrayal of Liu Kang, which is kind of much more in line with the original video game as well. And in actuality, was quite groundbreaking because, you know, even at that time, there still wasn't a whole lot 
of Asian American leads headlining a film, right? Uh, and in that role, he brought such a physicality, such a sense of masculinity. He was so ripped. And also just kind of breaking it down more physique wise, he was like thick too, not just ripped. He was like big and he looked good and he was a great martial artist and he pulled off some amazing moves and he had charisma, uh, you know, maybe not the same level of acting skills as our new actor, Ludi Lin, but I thought he did a great job and he was just so badass, for lack of a better term. Now, the Liu Kang in this newest version, and this is obviously uh, an artistic choice, they're going a whole different direction, making him much more monk and zen-like, uh, you know, because he's from the Shaolin Order of Light. Uh and he does a lot of meditating. He's uh, much softer in nature. And Ludi Lin brings a whole different kind of physicality to the role. That dude is ripped, but he's like lean, sinewy ripped, right? And I feel that with this new approach to the character, they should have also changed pretty much I would have liked to see him uh, utilizing soft style martial arts. Okay, you're going to have him be this kind of soft monk-like character, very zen, more like a Taoist monk, even though he's supposed to be Shaolin. I got more of a Taoist vibe. Cool. Why not have him do like uh, Wudong or Taiji or, you know, Baji, uh, well, maybe not Baji, but uh, Bakwa or something along those lines. Like utilize those softer martial arts. Utilize uh, even like the soft martial art element of like Shui Jiao, the wrestling, you know, with sweeps or Chinna or something along those lines. Uh, because I feel like by, by giving him this softer nature, but then not also complementing that with a new martial arts approach kind of hurt the character a little bit that's, what do you think you know, that, that's a really good assessment i didn't even i my i didn't go that route uh i just felt like the character had to i don't want to say be softened a little bit because you had so many other like leading roles but to think that and this kind of goes to the missed opportunity idea but to think that he could have been like a Tai Chi master. Mm -hmm. uh, that would have just fit with the personality completely. Cool poses, right? Like Tai Chi, he could have literally just gone to a stance and they got a close up and just the framing and everything. Because the camera work and the cinematography uh, from a technical aspect, the movie's fantastic. It is. Yeah. It is. And I, I think, I think, yeah, they, they had a real good solid crew with this, uh, the cinematography in particular, really good solid crew. And yeah, I'm, I, I really think that's a great assessment because that, that is how doing, doing like a, a Tai Chi master, uh, uh, sort of martial arts would have linked really well with his character. Cause the thing is, uh, you know, his acting's great. Uh, he's a much different kind of, whereas Robin Shu was this kind of cocky, arrogant, tough guy almost. He's the polar opposite. And I I liked his delivery of lines and stuff. And even when he's being all serious and telling them what's going on, but he notices Kano kind of grabbed that little jewel or whatever. And then he just interjects and put that back. You know, it's, it's very kind of uh, traditional Kung Fu movie, uh, Sifu level, right? And... And that's why I feel like so it was just this strange dichotomy of if you want to uh, 
make him a little bit softer, then go all in, right? Because otherwise, when it came to uh, his fight scenes and the battle sequences, he just seemed so out of place. And I understand you also have to stay true to the video game. And obviously, Liu Kang was not a Tai Chi guy in the video game. But okay, we're already making this new distinction. We got to go all in. You know what I'm saying? Because I liked him as an actor. I like some people are like, oh, he was too tiny. No, I liked. Okay, he was ripped, right? He's a whole different portrayal of Liu Kang. Great. But let's let's utilize this new these new aspects and give him a new fighting style make him soft style martial arts and then that's perfect for like the way he shoots the fire and stuff too right and people may say well how do you do that in fight choreography and stuff go watch the movie bangkok knockout thailand movie where one of the guys is a tai chi fighter that and obviously uses elements of wushu but primarily tai chi and you tell me that tai chi can't look badass on screen at a fast pace uh so let's move on from there We've pretty much addressed all the characters, right? I mean, obviously, there's Jax. There's lots of other people. Uh, but let's go over some of the other awesome things they did this time around that were better than the original. I think one of the main ones, the gratuitous violence and the fatalities, which are worth the price of admission alone. They are so good. Uh, they truly embrace the R rating. It is a hard R. In fact, it almost got an NC-17 rating. And... When you see some of the fatalities, whether it's when Jax blows up the dude's head with a double ear clap, whether it's when uh, Jax uh, gets his arms blown off. Yeah, that too. By by Sub-Zero. Yeah. Uh, Cole Young uh, or Louis Tan when he stabs Goru and then, oh, spoiler alert, sorry guys, and then the guts (laughs) rip out. Uh, I mean, the ultimate one, the best one is when... are you going to do Kano? No, 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 no. Kano, oh, well, okay, good. sorry. That's number two. When Kano rips out Reptile's heart, right? That one's gory. But no, when Kung Lao kills the bat creature lady and he literally drives, flies her into his buzzsaw hat. We see her body split in half. We see the blood spray up onto his face. And just rewatching it this morning and I was telling Jessica, this goes to show uh, Max's acting abilities too because the look he has on his face too is just... It just sells that shot where he's got this fierce look of like, I can't even explain it, but it just fits perfectly. And, you know, the blood just sprays up onto him and just so they did that so well, the gratuitous violence. And uh, before I forget, I was also I really liked the wire work in this. The wire work was good for the big shots where people go flying. They did some very cool like spinning stuff in the air. Uh, and the way they would sometimes change the camera speed, even while filming it, that looked very cool, very good. Yeah, that's spot on. It, it, it's it's you know when when someone's flying through the air, it's not realistic, but it's seamless. It's not like uh, so much of the other wire work we've seen since the late '90s through today, particularly yes. in Western martial art films, where the you know the body weight is off or the center of gravity is off on the, on the actor, and the, the weight's just being they're, they're moving, but it's not. You, you're not buying it. This one, I didn't even think about the wire work because it's it's done so seamlessly and great cinematography and and you know it. I, you have to think that uh, there had to be somebody studying the Hong Kong films and how they how they do the wire work. Oh yeah, and plus the great part is when you have like Max Huang, an official member of the Jackie Chan Sun team slash he's been the lead choreographer for a Jackie Chan film, Bleeding Steel. Uh, you have. 
a foremost expert on set with you amongst, you know, everybody else there uh, within the stunt crew and so forth. So we have, uh, as I said, the, the gratuitous violence, the fatalities, which are awesome. So with the fatalities, we also get great references to the video game, specifically the dialogue, which they did in the original one, but, and it wasn't bad at all. It just kind of, uh, felt forced a little or it was just a little heavy handed a little heavy handed perfect like yeah get over here and your soul is mine which we still love the way he delivers that but in this film it's no cheesy is not the right word because cheesy is a negative connotation it's iconic the way they do it it is perfect it's like we're getting the references to the video game it feels organic and the delivery is just epic speaking of the kano uh uh, fatality over reptile where he rips out the the heart right and it's pounding in his hands and it's just Kano wins like you believe it because he's the psychotic guy that's just so like full of himself or when Max Huang uh or as Kung Lao kills the bat-like creature and then flawless victory like everything works perfect uh and then Liu Kang also when he gets to use his cool dragon move and kills the dude and then it's just fatality or you know and uh stuff like that but I I think one of the best ones is obviously the end when Scorpion finally gets to say get over here and it just works and uh I, I love those little references to the game. There's also little hidden kind of Easter egg ones, like during the final battle where Sub-Zero makes that frozen version of himself in front of him. It's very subtle, but there's a lot of cool little elements like that, references to the actual moves of the game. Uh, that's something I got from the interview with Max Huang as well, because I didn't, re- I wasn't too familiar with the Kung Lao character. I played the first Mortal Kombat game a lot. Uh, when I was a little bit older, because I wasn't allowed to play it when it came out. <laughs> but uh, so I played the first one a lot and in arcades and stuff, but I'm not familiar with a lot of the other games. And so I guess the Kung Lao character actually utilizes uh, Wing Chun. Hence why during that one training sequence, he does those Wing Chun punches. And I almost thought, well, why are they even doing that? Uh, but then it's like, oh, OK, reference to the video game, right? Uh is there any other one-liners that I I, I didn't mention that you can remember aside from obviously your soul is mine and well you know what I what I did like is that they didn't force everything right. in and you de- you definitely did get the forcing of it in the in the 1995 version and I appreciated that I did not hear finish him yeah so they're 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 going to make us wait for that yeah and so they're it just shows to me that the writers aren't trying to force things in and you know if it happens in the second movie. Happens in the third movie, it, that's it'll happen. And when it happens, I think the they're building an, an audience appreci- appreciation and anticipation for it. Excellent. Uh, other elements here: the music. I quite like the music in this uh, version. Uh, I mean, the, nothing can particularly com- the end credits. Yes, but that's, that's, <laughs> well, see, nothing can compare to the original one, which was groundbreaking in that sense. The pulse pounding techno music, which I want to say is like the first real mainstream movie to do that. Uh, and just that, that theme is so iconic. But in this film, they, they go much more uh, subtle instrumental route. But they do a lot of that 80s synth type. Like similar to Stranger Things was the first thing I thought of. Uh, however, during the final battle, they do do an instrumental like uh, short version of the classic theme. And then during the end credits, they do a newer version of the classic kind of techno theme. Uh, but I liked the music throughout. I thought it did a good job of 
once again, as we say, accentuating the film and the action and so forth. Uh, and you had mentioned before kind of how great the sound design was, too. Is, you want to talk yeah. about that? I, w- I was I was just going to you were just leading into that. Uh, essentially, I thought the fight sounded great. Mm-hmm. And I and, you know, when I would go back and rewatch some of the fight sequences, uh, I didn't see the fights that I heard. If that makes right. sense, like watching on the big screen, I'm like astounded by the, the way they sounded and like the sound and the, the music as well. But then I'm like looking, I'm like, well, you know, I'm, I'm hearing like we, we talked about it before the, the sweep scene with Kano. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's just something off visually about it, whether it's being executed wrong or edited wrong. I'm not sure or a combination of both. Or maybe the editing is trying to hide a poor execution or the editing is is mucking up the good execution. Uh but sound-wise, it was working. Mm-hmm. Visually, it wasn't working. And I mean, I think we, you know, we 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 talked about. Uh, We're going to get how, to that in a minute, yeah, uh, yeah, specifically. So, yeah, but I mean, basically, the, the sounds really, really uh, sold the fights for me. And without the, and I think Jackie Chan in an interview once, I'm sure you've, I think we both watched this interview years ago, where he talked about American films are so much sound. Yeah, and this was exactly what Jackie Chan was saying. It, it's it's you're going to hear it. We might not be able to show it to you. Right. Excellent. Uh, so yeah, sound design was great. Uh, as I mentioned before, costumes are fantastic. Set design is hit or miss. Some of the sets, like I loved Outworld, look great, creepy, weird. Opening sequence in Japan, fantastic. Uh, I liked the Frozen MMA gym as the finale was great. Uh, I was definitely uh, a little disappointed in. What I assume is, oh, it's supposed to be Raiden's Temple, right? Like the Shaolin Temple of Light. I'm not sure if they're supposed to be the same place, really. There's definitely a few plot holes throughout the movie, but that's to be expected. But uh, Raiden's Temple, as I jokingly said, looks more like uh, the temple at the end of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade than, say, like an Asian-style Shaolin Monastery or Wudong. Or, for example, in the original Mortal Kombat, obviously, it's they say it's in China, but it's most obviously either Thailand or Cambodia, that, that style. Either which way, that's kind of more what I wanted. I didn't really like uh, the set design of the temple itself, uh, but that's just my own preference. Special effects wise, sometimes the special effects in the film looked incredible. Uh, sometimes they were just so-so, but this is also holding in comparison to say another blockbuster franchise like the Marvel movies, which you might be like, well, how can you compare the two? Well, you have to when you're a big, you know, mainstream movie like this. And so sometimes the special effects were, and it was usually the smaller things were amazing. Like all of the Sub-Zero stuff was so good. Like when he catches the bullet out of the gun with, when he rips off Jax's arms, uh, Anytime he's growing out his weapons or anything. And a lot of that comes with Joe Taslam's performance because his physicality, he, his movements are, and I mean this in the best way, so flowery. It's almost like, uh, a kung fu movement where he, when he's drawing out a sword, he doesn't just sword. It's like he does a hand waving gesture movement, uh, almost like a magician. And, uh, there's even that one sequence where he like draws the ice or the sword while he's in the cage and it's very big and, it's very similar to Chinese martial arts or even Penchak Silat, the Indonesian martial art, which has some beautiful movements like that. So that with the special effects of Sub-Zero were just on point. Scorpion's chain and everything else on point. All the fire uh, powers everybody had. 
awesome Kano's laser eye, uh, the soul sucking of uh, Shang Tsung, oh, the electricity of Raiden, all the special effects in that sense were epic, awesome, huge upgrade. The the few moments I had were kind of like, once again, when they're training in the temple, some of that special effects stuff just seemed a little weak to me. Uh, I thought Reptile was okay at best. Uh, what did you think? Uh, well, I mean, I think we talked about this before, like the one scene, if I have to like walk away from this film with one scene that stands out to me, it's when Sub-Zero visits... Uh, visits uh is trying to capture cole young or kill cole young and his daughter's sitting outside emily well we presume it's his daughter but we can get into that later because she doesn't have the birthmark but whatever (laughs) once again plot holes plot holes uh but like where it starts to snow a little bit and it's really just the the special effects uh in that whole sequence starting with the snow starting with the glass uh starting to to freeze and then getting the you know getting the shot of ice towards them as they're trying to drive away as Jax comes and rescues them. I know, I know there's some plot, uh, uh, spoiler, spoiler alerts in there, but, uh, spoilers in there, but, uh, that whole sequence was just so well done, beautifully balanced with cinematography and sci-fi and, and performance, uh, actors selling, selling it. And before I forget, Goro, uh, Goro was it, sorry, he was a huge upgrade from the original. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I love puppetry. Uh, in the traditional use of that, kind of like how he was in the the original one, but it limited what he was able to do as a fighter. This time around, Goru, uh, Goru sorry for my mispronunciation, is completely CG and it works brilliantly. He has yeah, a, they did a, a good job with that. Yeah, uh, and so I did like that as well. So uh, aside from the main thing we're going to talk about here in a second, is there anything we've missed or that we've talked about that? Because I, I think like we've talked about a lot of the the strong points of this film. And, you know, at this point, someone may be saying, well, AJ, why didn't you give it an A? This sounds like an A. And so far, uh, it, it would be an A, right? However, probably the weakest element of this movie, and I hate to say it, is the the fight scenes, the martial art sequences. And it's interesting and it's slightly eye-opening having just listened to, once again, that episode with Max Huang, where he, in not so many words, kind of addresses the issue of there was, because he says how, oh, the, you know, the reviews have been great, which I agree with, this and that, but definitely addresses the fact that maybe there was slightly too much cutting and editing within the fights and how normally he says that normally when you have to do that, it's because you don't, you have performers that can't do the martial arts stuff, right? Which in this case wasn't the situation. So what we have here, and so I guess we'll, we'll talk about this is pretty much there is way too much cutting and editing during the fights where you can't even focus what's going on, even on, uh, what I would like to think is some of the better choreographed sequences. Unfortunately, where we should have wide shots, we have close-ups, like you said. When we have close-ups, we should have wide shots. When we should have a slow motion shot, instead, we're it's taken away from us. You know, as soon as we're starting to focus on the action, it's cut, 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 cut. And I don't know whether this was a stylistic choice, perhaps a disconnect between choreographer and editor, because it's so fair to say, oh, the choreographer sucked. But but we've heard these horror stories before, kind of like Brett Chan working on uh, the Iron Fist TV show. Then he goes and works on Warrior and 
produces these fantastic fight sequences. Thank you for referencing Iron Fist. It's yes. been a long time since I've heard that. Yeah, so like, and people were so quick to blame him because of it. And then he goes on to show, no, it wasn't me. It was, you know, disconnect between performer, choreographer, editor, director. And uh, so I, I'm not putting the blame on anybody here because I don't really know Chan Griffin's work that well. Uh, he's done a lot of stunt work, but as a lead fight choreographer, he did Shazam, uh, he was on the fight team for Aquaman, but for as lead choreographer, he did Shazam, Alien Covenant, and the SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run. So, uh, and then I don't really know much about the editor, but I have a theory that possibly because uh, of COVID and a lot of post-production probably done away from each other, maybe there was a disconnect there. I don't know what the choice was, but unfortunately, I didn't really enjoy the martial arts sequences because I didn't have time to really focus on what was going on on screen. It was like it was taken away from me. Cut, 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 cut. Edit, 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 edit. And I'm like, you have some amazing performers in here like ooh, Joe Taslam, Max Wong, uh, Haruyuki Sonata, veterans. Like you can give them maybe the most basic choreography and they'll make it look beautiful. And instead, it's it's like we were kind of unfortunately not given the the main thing i wanted yeah and you know i think you, you raised a really good point really really early on when you basically said it's not as if these what where i guess maybe max raised it when when you have edits like this it's usually maybe to cover uh performers and you know first thing i, I think of outside of this film is to to kind of like maybe for for new viewers to martial art films like if you look at like steven seagal's uh above the law whether it's the opening sequence or the sequence in the liquor store versus less uh leslie nielsen's liam neeson's taken now liam neeson i'm sure he can handle himself but a lot of there's a lot of quick takes so but there's a suspension of disbelief and the editing is done in such a way that it it heightens and makes uh liam neeson look look as strong as his character is. Whereas when you're watching Steven Seagal, who's who particularly during in, in Above the Law, these long, wide takes, you get to see what he's doing. And that's what I think people like you and I want to see from Mortal Kombat. And I would, I would venture to say that's what the performers wanted us to see as well, because they were probably doing these long takes and the editing is just weird. Yeah, weird is, is a good way of putting it. And, you know... For example, you, you have someone like, uh, just for personal preference for martial arts ability, I would have loved to see Joe Taslam get to do more of like his judo type stuff, right? Max Huang, who's an incredible kicker, just, man, give him, you know, let that dude just kick, do some slow motion stuff. That's, that's one thing that the original one had was grounded fight scenes, which I feel like we didn't really have here. We had some, the fantastical elements of the fight scenes were great. Like, as we said, the wire work was great. The special effects of Sub-Zero throughout was great. But you have to complement that with some grounded, real, hard-hitting martial arts. And I think one thing that may have hindered the film, perhaps, is because I think he, uh, once again, bringing up Max, he mentioned this in that episode, is that I feel like they they had like two months of pre-training. And so for some of the cast, because we're, we're talking about all these fantastic martial arts performers in the cast, there was also some performers that didn't really have a martial arts background. And nowadays, 
like if you're an 8711 production, you're in there for bare minimum like six months. And that's if you've done a movie with them before. It's usually like a year of training like Bob Odenkirk for nobody. And then you see the physicality brought to that. These actors may have not even had the non-martial arts uh, actors enough time to truly prepare, right? And so hopefully in the future or even since this movie, they've continued training and so forth because this is me being nitpicky. But for example, even a sequence with... uh Sonya Blade, where, you know, the temple gets raided and they're fighting. She does this thing that's quite common with non-martial artists or, you know, non-fighters where she's doing a lot with her right side and her left arm is just hanging there by her side. Like it's like the left side is disconnected and she's doing everything with this one side. And this is just me being a martial arts film pundit fan, uh, you know, lifelong martial artist that instantly I saw that I was like, oh, it just feels so awkward. And... It, it, it's that is a fantastic point. And I mean, uh, sometimes when I go back and watch Cobra Kai, like mm-hmm. one, two, season one, two, and three, I think particularly two and three, there's that character Hawk. Yes. And like he's punching and he brings his hand back up. He drops it, brings it back up. And I'm like, no, this is a martial art movie. It shouldn't be like that. And I'm like, wait a minute. He's learning karate for the first time. So maybe he, the actor himself and the show and the, and the character are in alignment. So it makes sense. But when and, you see and real that quick from, in that show, you see how they progress throughout the seasons too. Yes. You the do. actors get better. Well, and so when you talk about uh, the Sonya Blade character, like not using, it wasn't, it was her left side, right? That she wasn't using. It was just like, kind of like hanging there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like your character is, is supposed to be special forces. And we, we, as we're watching that, like, we want more. It's like, uh, and I'm going to reference another movie. It's Bone and Blood, right? Uh, with, Blood and Bone. With Mi- Blood and Bone with Michael Jai White. When he sees that fighter who, as he comes back, he drops the hand a little bit. We want to see, we want to see the the Bone character where he sees the hand drop and then that's just where he hooks him and he's out. We want to see that from Sonya Blade or and that from all of these actors because they're actually fighting to defend earth and real quick also both her and uh the uh lewis tan's character cole there's this one like wrestling styles single leg wraparound takedown they do and they use the same one like three or four times (laughs) yes yes. and for me that's a okay perhaps we should have tried utilizing another takedown right because the cole young character uses it on uh Kung Lao when they're training, then he uses it on Goro, and then uh, Sonya Blade uses it on Jax, the exact like same looking takedown, and just instantly I'm like, well, maybe that's the only one the, the choreographer was familiar with, or maybe that was the only one they'd let him do. I don't know. But for us nitpicky martial arts fans, we notice those kind of things, right? Uh, and the other thing is, obviously, not to take anything away from uh, Jessica McNamee, uh, once again, butchering her name, I apologize. Great actress, so forth. But why the heck didn't we cast Amy Johnston in this role? She was literally born to be Sonya Blade. She is an incredible, lifelong martial artist. Her father, Dave Johnston, world kickboxing champion. She's been training probably since she was born. Uh, amazing abilities. Great actress. She looks like Sonya Blade. Very uh, beautiful, young uh woman blonde hair there you go she she and she's headlined her own movie before uh it just seems like such a missed opportunity right you know this this is like 1995 and 2000 2021 right yes so you were in 2021 so what irks me so much is when you're making a move in 2021 and it's it's a reboot Mm -hmm. you want to fix the things you didn't do right the first Mm -hmm. time 
And Cynthia Rothrock not being Sonya Blade in 1995 is a huge glaring omission uh, on her resume and mm-hmm. on the film. And, you know, that's 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 a that's a, a like a dark mark on the film for me. 2021, Amy Johnston, it's it's it should have been destiny. Plus, hey, let's not make the same mistake twice. But it's almost as if they didn't realize that a mistake was made. And again, no disrespect to the people who, to the two actresses who've played Sonya Blade, although there may three. be more. Three, yeah. yeah. The three actresses who've played Sonya Blade, uh, it's just like, you know, as Petey would say, or like, oh, never mind. I, I can't do his <laughs> impersonation right now. <laughs> uh, but so, because real quick, just like the difference from 1995 till now, stunt, just like actors have gotten better with their physicality and their training. Uh, stunt performers and or martial artists have also gotten much better with their acting. So that's the thing. I, I can understand if you're like, oh, yeah, well, Amy Johnson, you know, she can't act. No, that's not true. She can't act. She's she's headlined her own movie. She's had great supporting roles. Uh, for example, in Accident Man with Scott Atkins, she has range. She just would have been the perfect Sonya Blade. And therefore, you have so much more you could do with the fight scenes. She is such a powerful martial artist. Uh but hey, it's the same with having. I, I I personally feel like I would have loved to see more of Max Wong. Yep. Uh, and I'm hoping that when his soul gets sucked in this one in the sequel, somehow his soul be rebooted in, in another in, as a bad guy or something. So all I know is that he posted on Instagram like kind of a cryptic thing last week, like just because I'm gone does not mean I can't come back in another form. So I think the intention is to bring him back maybe as a villain, maybe he's a bad guy now. Right. Uh, that being said, he also once again in that episode kind of talked about hoping there would be more martial arts in this new one. He even apparently a scene of his got cut where he talks about like martial arts philosophy and stuff. And for all we know there could have been a demonstration. Uh, I'm not sure. But uh, before we wrap this up, the other thing I want to talk about real quick is also we, we mentioned before kind of, you know, bringing in that Tai Chi element for Liu Kang, basing the choreography around the character. Louis Tan, the actor that plays Cole Young, he's got a great Muay Thai base. And you can watch his demo reel online. He's done these these videos that he does called like Fight Camp. And so he's got a lot of weapons training. But his dad, the great Philip Tan, uh, has been training him since he was a kid. I believe he may have actually started at either the Jet Center or House of Champions where we train out of. And so let him do that hard-hitting Muay Thai style. Like I've seen this kid, uh, kid, <laughs> I've seen this guy uh, hit the pads and uh, do like the the big Muay Thai style roundhouse kicks and so forth, clinch and knee and elbows. And there was a little bit of that. They, there's one seat when he's training with Max Huang, he throws a spinning Thai elbow. And I was like, yes. But then it once again, the editing, I'm like, no. So I would like to see him be able to utilize uh, more of that. And you can check out, he's got a bunch of his uh, training stuff on YouTube, the fight camp. Petey and I actually make a cameo in one of those because we're in the background training. Uh, but yeah, so the the biggest thing hindering this film from getting a better grade for me was the fight scenes. And we can only hope, especially because the film's been so well received and they did so much right this first time around, they seem very receptive to the audience and what we liked about it and perhaps didn't like. So we can only hope that this next time around, they can address, all right, look, we didn't quite get the fight scenes right. Let's do it this way this time. Let's not have that disconnect. Let's embrace one of the most important aspects of this franchise, which is the martial arts and the fight scenes. And if uh, if any of the current producers uh, who who are thinking about bringing it back for a sequel need to look back at like the best Mortal Kombat fight scene fight scenes ever, I mm-hmm. think they just need to look at two, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. and both include 
one actor playing two separate roles in two separate movies. This is correct. So what, what Gavin here is referencing is uh, in the original Mortal Kombat, the, the, the main fight choreographer was Pat Johnson, but they went back and did uh, two extra sequences that were choreographed by Robin Shu, uh, who had a lot of Hong Kong film experience. The first one is Johnny Cage versus, uh, excuse me, versus uh, Scorpion, which is done in the Hong Kong style. It's fantastic. J.J. Perry's in there as a stunt double, so there's some incredible kicking. Then the second sequence would be Liu Kang versus Reptile, where Reptile is played by our former guest, Keith Cook Harabayashi. And that sequence, I can just watch it over and over again. At that time, it was one of the best filmed uh, what I, American fight scenes, especially maybe the best in a non-Hong Kong co-production, right? It's just so good and so hard-hitting. And I love how they keep Keith Cook's actual voice muffled in the mask. You hear his like, ah, yeah, ah. And there's also a great... Uh, Aesthetically, it's very pleasing to see the two because Keith Cook has this super clean style, whereas Robin Shu is a little more kind of rough and tumble in like the way he kicks. Like maybe he looks a little more powerful, whereas Keith Cook in his costume looks just so clean and sharp and fast. So give us some more of that real martial arts action. Give us some of that. Bring in and guess what? Less special effects needed, less even wire work, you know, just give us some good, hard-hitting traditional martial arts with all the fantastic elements you brought to this movie. You've already built the world. As we said, that was one of the things that maybe hindered the story a little bit was the world building. Guess what? That's all out of the way now. Let's just have a fun time, improve the martial arts sequences, and spoiler alert, cast Scott Adkins as Johnny Cage. There, I, I saw online another like rumor supposedly Alain Moussi could be another great casting choice yes he actually looks just like Johnny Cage and so forth but I want Scott Atkins I want like a maybe mid 40s slightly washed up Johnny Cage right uh and if Scott Adkins got not in that Boy he is. not that he <laughs> is hell no dude he kicks better than I'll ever do in my entire damn life but bring in Scott Atkins as as, as Johnny Cage. You gotta do it because he's got the acting chops. He can do the American accent perfect. He can get ripped as hell like Johnny Cage. He's got that snarky personality he can put on screen. Do it, do it, do it. I, that's it. Yeah. That's all. That, that That's the solution right there. Yep. Or, or uh, and if you need any professional consultants on the film, come to us. Yeah. I'm more than happy to go to Australia and work on this film. Uh, I'm available. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to update my passport. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the process of updating mine. Mine expired uh, during COVID, so I'm getting my new passport. I'll be ready. So we'll wait for your phone call. Uh, any final closing thoughts? Um, it's just it's great to be back in the theaters. It's great to see these movies on the big screen. And so and I'm glad that, uh, you know, that I am getting to see a martial art movie on the big screen. Just wish for a little more more, more martial arts next time. Yep, as do I. Otherwise, we highly recommend it just because it's a very entertaining experience. Go see it in theaters. Uh, we'll be back with you guys next week. We haven't decided what we're doing yet, but I'm sure it'll be something very entertaining. Once again, my hat's off to everybody that worked on this movie. All the blood, sweat, and tears that went into it. So close to being uh, an A, but obviously a few little elements hindering it. And guess what? That's okay. We still enjoyed it. And we like to be honest with our critiques. That's something we've said from the beginning. So even though we, you know, may have known some people that worked on this or just had an interest in it, we want to be 100% transparent and honest with our reviews. And B minus from me, C plus from you. Hopefully the next one's an A plus. 
<laughs> Sounds great. All right, my man. I will talk to you soon. Take care. Peace, baby.